This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 92 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Omega Fields, the world's best omega-3 supplements for horses. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. Today, we have the president of the Pacific Quarter Horse Association, Cece Campbell. We also have a young lady who is destined to do good things in the world of horses, Jenna Asnold. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thank you for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Coach Jen, with me again today. Hi, Jen. Greetings, Debbie. Hi. Hi. It was really good to um, hear so much on all the different programs that you do there at the Horse Radio Network about your trips and about the people you interact with and, and how much fun this network is having going and growing and do you see what we see from the inside looking out? Because outside looking in, it looks like a party. <laughs> it really does. It and is just a party. so it, much. It is a party. It? It's, well, you know, the thing I love about it, I, I, I so sorely miss being outdoors for a living, mm. you know, out in the barn. But on the other hand, the really, really cool thing about doing what I do here at the Horse Radio Network is every minute of every day is a learning experience. That's nice. Yeah, I bet. Because you do, your shows are so interesting that you've got the daily tips and you've got the Horses in the Morning live show and then all the other shows you produce too. So yeah. it's fascinating to me as a horse person and also as uh, not a neophyte to technology, not that I have any increased knowledge in that really I just now you've taught me how to use Skype but but it, it is interesting to watch how horses have been able to dominate now a, a form of media that just didn't even exist 20 years ago really in in the world of horses for sure yeah, that's a very good point in that podcasting as an industry is very much in its infancy mm. and the horse radio network is one of the most experienced and one of the most prolific podcasts anywhere in the world, which is, yeah. is kind of weird because you don't, you don't usually say, oh, horse people, they're leaders in technology. But, yeah. But we are. <laughs> we, we're together. very much leaders in, in the medium. We don't mm -hmm. have the podcasts that are the most highly produced. There's not a whole lot on the Horse Radio Network that sounds like Serial on PBS. But we by far have the most wide variety and the most um, the most in-depth library of programs on oh, any topic yeah. in in the podcast con podcasting world. It's just it's kind of crazy. I would think you have cool. multipliers of the topic at this point. Yeah, and the most the most common thing we get from outside the horse world is someone will say, "Well, it's horses. What are you going to talk about after the first couple of episodes?" Yeah. Oh, little do they know. <laughs> I know. If you just talked about one discipline alone, it, you know, that's fine. It reminds me of um, Monty Roberts' dad. In, back in 2004, I said, you know, we get so many wonderful questions emailed to us. And I feel like a black hole for all this great information that we're just typing back to that person who wrote us. Let's put it into some format that builds a Q&A library. And we started that in 2004. And we have put up faithfully one Q&A every week since then. But the punchline is that at the time, dad went, nah, there's like, he's just like a deck of cards. There's like 52 questions that answers pretty much everything. And I said, yeah, <laughs> probably not. But uh, see, that's, said, you know, that's every, coming from a guy who has a really, really bad case of unconscious competence. He knows so much. He, he's forgotten more than what we'll ever know. For sure. For <laughs> sure. That's true. And one thing he did forget in making the statement is that everybody's horse is unique to them. So when right. they ask the question, you know, they got, they're running the video of their own horse and it's, there's a variation on everything, you know, every question there, there really absolutely. is. Every, every, mm. every relationship and every experience within that relationship yeah. is unique. You, you absolutely nailed it right on the head. And at the global level, there are probably 52 answers, but the yeah. 
the, the natural tendency of horse lovers is to drill it down to that unique relationship that they're living. And that's been part of the fun for me is learning that. I first had to learn that because I had that whole, I had the 30,000 foot view and I thought there were 52 answers. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I wasn't having a lot of success with those 52 answers. Uh, I had to go, oh yeah. no, I need to personalize this. I need to make this apply to my unique relationship and my unique relate my unique situation with the horse I'm staring at right now. And, and I'm actually staring <laughs> at him out the back window of my house and there he is eating his hay. Oh, and so once I once I let go of my preconceived ideas and said, Oh, I can do that. I am free to do that. And if I don't come up with the correct solution the first time, it's okay. I'm going to do it again, and I'm, you know, eventually I'm going to come up with the solution that I'm looking for. And that was very freeing. So I think mm-hmm. it's really cool that you guys are taking those questions, taking it to heart that every situation and every relationship is unique, and putting it out there to equestrians around the world to help them solve their problems and grow. Thank you. And you know what? It helps us too. It's so interesting to do. It's like an exercise where you go, oh, I never thought about it like that. Oh, you see it from that view or your eyes or your horse. Or, and uh, now there's over 600 in our database and it's free. You know, it's it's out there on a searchable database by keywords. And it is, I still am amazed how I can go and reference it and go, how did he say that? Or what mm-hmm. did they ask? And yep. it, it, it's just cool. So me, you know, I know that we're all technophobes. <laughs> we, <laughs> we don't like technology, but you know, it's really changed. I think a lot of the face it, it's, it's become more authentic. The horsemanship, horsemanship and horse training mm-hmm. has become more authentic because yeah. you can't really, you can't declare yourself a, a complete, um, well, you can, but expert in anything because you want to say, hey, I learn something new every day, like you just said, be- because there's going to be a variation or there's going to be a question asked that you can't. For example, okay, so this was kind of fun. Years ago, people asked, somebody asked, a specific person asked, um, you said, Monty, that when when you clock, it makes the horse go faster. Just do it. Don't Don't ask why. You know, I don't know. It, it works. Okay. So, you know, it's like, Hey, I'm the mom, and I said so. And uh, so, clucking, we all we all do it. We're all around we horses. All That's right. You know, we, we all do. yeah. We do, fact, we, we, we do it to our kids. We do it to our dogs. Yeah, exactly. Sure. <laughs> we cluck at our husband. We <laughs> we cluck at the you know in the register at the mm-hmm. grocery store. But um, <laughs> it it does impulse right. It yep. does make you feel like at least you're telling him to go faster. So why whoa? Good question. All over the world, yeah, pretty yeah. much. I mean, some people will do a variation and they habituate their horse to brrr or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's different things in different disciplines people do, but it's pretty universal, at least in my world, that whoa or mm, you know something like that works too. Mm-hmm. And it, it never occurred to me until we were. Re- da- I gave Dad a book for Christmas that I was fascinated by. It's a guy who uh, uses animals in therapy to heal. And we were reading stuff for the horse and healing program we do for veterans. And, and his name is Dr. Peter Levine. And he wrote a book, wrote lots of books, but he wrote a book called, um, in an unspoken voice. And it's, it, you know, it's, it's a different kind of therapy, but it's somatic resonating and it, it, it's interesting. But, um, the one thing that he said brings down and it's scientifically proven brings down your your physiology brings down your cortisol levels, brings down your breathing, your heart rate is vogue. And so he uses this exercise with his people with a vogue, which a lot of people will recognize like in yoga, there's, you know, there's different, or is it yoga or is it um, tr- um, meditating is um or something like that. Isn't it interesting though, that it's a resonating kind of deep sound that you have to blow out kind of when you're doing it. Huh. Well, Think our horses don't pick that up? Sure, they do. So the cluck, cluck, cluck makes sense because it's like breaking sticks. And when sticks get broken, guess what? Lions in the brain. (laughs) Good point. Yeah, you gotta go. And so, whoa or whoa, you know, does the opposite for you, which is how you translate that through your bottom cheeks uh, to your horse, both through sound and your probably more through your relaxation and your muscle memory. So there's like science behind all this stuff, Jen. I can't believe it. <laughs> so it's one of those things that we use it, yet it is something that 
is likely to work anyway versus the sig- the vocal signal you use to get your horse to move is whoosh, 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 whoosh. It's less likely to work to begin with because the horse isn't already hardwired to react to that hard clinking sound. You can habituate to anything, right. but we, it, it must be. Why something- not use something the horse is hardwired to use, right? Exactly. And it's tried and true. Re- if we think about it, tried and true means that it's been happening for, you know, a long, 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 long time. And why? And it's just sometimes we don't look up and say, oh yeah, why? <laughs> and it's kind of fun to do that every once in a while too. So cool. anyway, I love horses, but, um, you know, I love studying their behaviors even more because I just think there's such better examples of it than we are. Yeah. Well, they don't, they don't have the, the veil of humanity covering up the behaviors. The horse's, on, the horse's behavior is honest. It is what it is. Yes. It is. They can only react. And, and I just love that. So we're going to have today on the radio, we, we should tell people a little bit about our lineup. We've got Cece Campbell from the PCQHA. And um, she is she has a lifetime of experience with horses. And she is passing on to the next generation. You've got to hear her story. And then we've got the opposite end. We've got a youth endurance writer, young Jenna Asnault, who is just doing amazing things in her discipline. But she plowed through a few disciplines to get there too. And that's what I love about her. She's, she is such a horse girl. Doesn't give up. And I love that. So we're going to get right to Cece right after this from Ovega Fields. Your horse is your partner in sport, in leisure, and just in life. To keep him at his peak performance and optimal health, a solid nutritional foundation is key. Ideally, horses are able to graze fresh growing grasses, which most closely mimic their natural diet. But that may not always be possible, and we may need to supply some of those missing ingredients in today's diets and provide more functional foods. One component of a horse's diet that is often underfed are omega-3 fatty acids. While more prevalent in fresh forages, harvested forages are lower in omega-3 fatty acids due to their more advanced maturity. Obviously, grasses and legumes have to grow to a sufficient height in order to be harvested, while foraging patterns of horses show great preference for shorter, less mature plants. That's why modern horsemen and horsewomen trust Omega Horse Shine to provide a powerful, bountiful source of omega-3 fatty acids for their equine partners. Look for Omega Horse Shine from Omega Fields at your local tack and feed supplier, or you can find them online at omegafields.com. Cece Campbell is the PCQHA president. Her parents were really hoping that horses would lose their luster, but they never did. They never did for Cece. Cece Campbell is the current PCQHA president that's been following her dreams throughout her life. She's on a horse these days called Sky's Lady in Blue, and you should Google it because just her list of 2016 accomplishments alone, she qualified for the AQHA Select World in four events, the AQHA World of Show in five events. She placed top 15 in the Amateur two, uh, Level 2 Hunt Seat Equitation and Hunter Under Saddle, second place in the Nation Level 2 Hunt Seat Equitation, fourth place in the Nation Level 2 Hunter Under Saddle, seven AQHA All-Around Championships Awards on top of her PCQHA. So she's just done amazing things in this uh, this last couple of years. And she um, is now turning her attention to giving back. And you'll love her story. It's, it's Cece is a model of encouragement for the next generation to enjoy horses. Well, welcome, Cece Campbell, president of the PCQHA. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome, Jan. Nice to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to have you. It's uh, the first time we've had you on the show. And my producer, Jen, is with us here today, too. And since we're West Coasties, you and me, Cece, we'll um, we'll let Jen pop in here with questions if she has any. But um, uh, she, she thinks this Western world is, is kind of foreign territory, but she's, she's taken a liking to us. It's okay. <laughs> and one of the quotes that I thought was so fun that I, I heard from, probably read it in the Slowpoke News, I think, from San Luis Obispo, was that you're incredibly passionate about the American Quarter Horse and the AQHA and its members and growing the industry. And, you know, I know you've been around horses your whole life. 
Uh, and I'm wondering, what does that look like? What are you incredibly passionate about doing with the American Quarter Horse Association and, and the other associations you, you're doing? Um, you know, I'd have to say with the American Quarter Horse, it's the versatility of the breed mm-hmm. and the um, trainability and willingness of the horse. Mm-hmm. And and that translates into it being, uh, they make very good Western horses, but they make very good English horses. They make very good jumping horses. Uh, quarter horses are very good at speed events. I mean, they just are very trainable in every every way that you, you know, whatever you want to do with a horse. And I certainly think it translates to however you ride, whether it's mm-hmm. dressage or it's, and I've done all those things with my American quarter horse. And um, I laugh about myself and say that I ride West Lish because <laughs> I ride a lot English. Yeah. And it's a little bit different than it is on the hunter jumper circuit, but I think the horses are every bit as good. I mean, we just do a little something different with, you know, how we show them, but it's so amazing that these horses have that kind of talent. It is the versatility and everything too. I I love the statement. I've heard it said by lots of different people that doesn't matter what kind of leather you have on top. Is that right? Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, how does, how does a little girl from Jacksonville, Florida, who moves out to San Diego, end up the president of the PCQHA. That's great. The Pacific Quarter, Pacific Coast Quarter Horse Association, uh, head of the board of directors here. Uh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> you know, I I can remember as a little girl being very young and, and dreaming of having a horse. I don't come from a horse family. There's not horse, the horses in my family came from my grandfather who mm-hmm. rode, but you know, my family was not enmeshed in the horse industry, but I was determined that I would get lessons. And at tw- age 12, I did. And then about a year later, ended up getting a horse okay. and it happened to be a quarter horse. And I was lucky enough to get to ride, you know, different kinds of horses. I rode saddlebreds and little hunter jumper, but I never owned one. <clears throat> I was just lucky enough to have one horse. And, you know, that went... You know, I did show and compete, you know, as a young girl. And then, you know, to me, that was everything. And I thought, in fact, I didn't want to go to college. I did end up going. And, you know, I did end up getting a ranch management degree, went on to get my uh, bachelor's and then my master's and and actually got involved in the creative end, which, you know, graphics and marketing and um, had a different career um, doing some different things, but horses were always a part of my life. I mean, I always wanted to at least have the ability to have them in the barn or be able to ride, not always show. Sometimes I wasn't able to. And how I got to be the president of PCQHA, that wasn't my huge goal. My only goal was to give back. Every time I was able to be in an organization was to say, you know, what can I do to help mm-hmm. to to give this lifestyle back to the young people, the teenagers, the, you know, amateurs and, and also the selects an mm-hmm. opportunity to get back in. And I, I've had so many friends, my age, young people were just being able to touch one person. You're able to share that. And, and they are affected by learning what a wonderful lifestyle these horses do give us. Yeah, that's it. Well, wonderful. I, I, we need more of you, CCs, that are, you know, bringing this this wonderful hobby slash discipline slash pastime to our future. It it really needs to be there. I know that you're doing a great job with your granddaughter. We're going to put um, a photo of you with Taylor Gromelski, your your gorgeous mm-hmm. granddaughter up there. Now, is she actually showing too? She does. She does. Um, I have a big hunt seat mare that I show, a big gray mare, and um, I've had a, a really wonderful time with her the last eight years. I've had her since her first five rides. She's been very successful on the English arena, and I thought she might have some talent to do some Western, and she ends up, she's just been fabulous. And she has. We've done yeah. everything in the English and Western arenas, and my granddaughter, Oh, I guess she was about six and a half, came to a horse show with me and flew down. She lives in Washington. And she just immediately felt comfortable and hung out with all the kids. And she didn't show. It ended up the lead line class was a day that she wasn't there. But she 
rode the horse and had fun and she's very confident. She's gone to pony, you know, she went to pony camp and has had lessons and she, we ended up getting her a horse up there in Washington. And that's turned out to be a wonderful, wonderful um, time for the whole family. And uh, the whole family rides that lovely horse. He's a little ranch horse and he is wonderful. Um, yeah, a little quarter horse, or started, what did she, yeah, what did she end up getting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we ended up taking a horse that was my husband's up to the family oh, for nice. Christmas about, you know, three or four years ago. Oh, how fun But anyway, that? so Taylor started, yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> it was really <laughs> fun, and, and the whole family has benefited from having a horse in their life, and that's, that's what horses do. That's what a quarter horse will do, because they do everything. She loves to ride him English and jump. She loves to get on him Western. She does the Western dressage. She shows him in the all round up there. And she's, she's learning to ride, but also learning how to take care of animals, which mm-hmm. is a wonderful thing. But anyway, so she started coming down to see me, and I would take her to the quarter horse show. And I was told by all the trainers, this was crazy. My mare, who was an appendix mare, you know, half thoroughbred, oh, no, you can't put her on that horse, and this, will, this shouldn't, won't work well. I knew the mare really well, and she started showing her in the walk trot, did that for about two years and was very successful, and, you know, by about age eight or nine, you know, we moved her up into the novice youth category, which is the level one for quarter horse, and she started showing the horse in the English and then started showing her in the Western, the horsemanship and showmanship, and um, even though... Um, then started, you know, loping in the last two years. And then now we're moving her at age 10 from the level one up to the regular youth classes. And she even does the Western riding where you do a lot of flying lead changes through the patterns. And oh, it's really amazing. amazing. It's a big 16, two hand gray mare that shouldn't be able oh. to do this. I was told by all the trainers, it's not going to happen. And that mare lives at home with me for the last three or four years and has been very successful, not only for me, but it was double duty because she would also be doing it for those same classes for my granddaughter. So she's been very successful. Very is this Sky's Lady in Blue? Is that your gray? Yeah, that is my that, mare is yeah. Sky's Lady in Blue. Yeah. I call her Annie because I didn't tell my husband I bought a horse. <laughs> and when I came home from, uh, I was visiting my mom and my husband said, I, did you go look at a horse? I don't know how he knew. I don't know. And I said, yes, I did. And he said, did you buy her? Well, yes. And that was my anniversary present. So we call her Annie. Of course it was. There you go. (laughs) Annie for anniversary. I get it. How long have you been married? I had to be a little creative. Yeah. You know, 17 years. 17. Yeah, that's long enough to start to read that that look in your eyes. (laughs) (laughs) I guess. You you two have... And very supportive. He's yeah. very he's a good horse husband. I love that. I love that. And now he's supporting his granddaughter too. <laughs> it's great. He yeah. loves her and is wonderful to her. Wonderful. Oh my gosh. This list of what Sky's Lady in Blue, what you and um she have done and your granddaughter is just amazing. You've qualified for um, an AQHA select world in four events, uh, world show in five events top 15 placings and amateur. I know this is not about you, CC, and you're so humble, but um, Sky's Lady in Blue has done amazing things, and I guess you happen to be aboard. So <laughs> it's really, people should go Google you and see what you and Sky's Lady in Blue have done. And now it's about Taylor, too, and making it happen. It I, I was reading your president's message for the PCQHA, and I know you've got some championships, things coming up, and I know that you... You really like people to support the youth when they can. Tell me about this, um, This uh, I think it's the EMO Western States Championship Show and Celebration coming up in the end of June here now. Uh, it will have happened by the time people hear this, but let's let's hear about that a little bit. This is a new event. Uh, we uh, The inaugural event was last year for the EMO Western States Championship and the Celebration Show. It is a cooperative agreement between the Pacific Coast Quarter Horse Association and the Arizona Quarter Horse Association who came together to develop a new show. We don't have a huge show for quarter horses on the West Coast. So the goal was to create an event that would allow exhibitors, not in the level one category, but those people that are coming out of that, you know, the amateur or the novice amateur or level one, 
so they could uh, have a world show experience not so far back not maybe not so difficult as Oklahoma City which is where our world show is but it has something sort of in between those two shows and and not have to go back to Oklahoma and so the two associations came together and created first of all the EMO Western States Championship show which is a show you have to qualify for you qualified by competing in the amateur divisions, amateur or select amateur, which is the over 50 category, and also the youth category in um, a list of core classes um, that include the cattle, the cutting, the, the uh, rail classes, the showmanship, Western Pleasure, Hunter Under Saddle, Huntsy Deck, all those classes, horsemanship, trail, and mm-hmm. Western Riding, and Western Riding and Ranch Riding. Um, and you compete in a championship-style event where they roll the red carpet out, they have trophies for first, second, and third, and you have to qualify for the event to get there, and that's going to be held July 4th and July through July 9th this year at South Point Arena in Las Vegas. Las in Vegas, baby. That'll be fun. Yeah, I know. It's going to be great. In conjunction with that show, there is a regular quarter horse show. That means okay. you don't have to qualify for that show, but... We what makes that show special is that instead of having most quarter horse shows have say four judges mm-hmm. um, over a four day event, and this show has ten, and this is the mm-hmm. first time on the West Coast to have such a huge you know list of judges, and you know you know anyone can compete at that show, and you know we from you know we had a huge show last year that was very successful for our first show, and so we anticipate this year will be. Even better. I mean, better, yeah. Than, yeah. Wow, it's, so and it's growing. Mm-hmm. Well, and South Point is such a lovely facility. They've put that, you know, two new coliseums in for us to show. You know, it's, you know, it, it's just, you know, the perfect facility for us to grow and have that kind of an event for the West Coast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's surprising that we, we don't have it. But it, you're right. Traditionally, Texas, Oklahoma have been such... Um, big shows for that. Tell me about your youth team. I know you're, um, you've got your youth team going to Oklahoma city, August 4th through 12. Uh, who are some of the, the, the rock stars that we could be looking for up and coming? You know, we have a wonderful youth president, Alexandra Earl, and she has led the youth. And I think done a wonderful job in, you know, doing a lot of events for the youth and fundraising and the youth goes over there and competes not only individually, but also as a team. And they do a lot of team building events. And I hope to actually take my granddaughter over there just so she can see what, what happens at a youth world show. Because right, that that'd be goal. inspiring. Yeah. To, yeah. To actually see what this is about. The, the youth team is very talented. I mean, I think Alexandra is really leading the charge. Um, I think our youth are so competitive with the rest of the nation, they're such amazing riders and the coaches and trainers that help them are the very best in the nation. I do believe that. And so it's a wonderful experience. I've not been to the world show personally. That's why I do want to go. Um, but I think that, you know, they have the parade of States. Uh, they have a lot of, like I said, team building experiences for the youth as well as the individual events where they compete. Great. Great. So that sounds so very fun. exciting. To be 12 again, right, Cece? Sounds really fun. Right. (laughs) Well, the most wonderful thing about AQHA, if I can say this, is that, you know, by creating the select category, the over 50 category, personally, when Mm -hmm. I became 50, I was very excited. Okay. Yeah. Now I don't have to compete against the (laughs) 22-year-olds. I can compete against people that are in my age group. Mm-hmm. And they even have an, another category called Super Select, which I think it's over 70 is Super Select. So awesome. you don't have to think that I can't, there's no way I can get, you know, and be successful. There is. And AQHA has been smart enough to launch these new programs to give people a chance, no matter what age or level that you are. Wow. And you've been instrumental in that. You don't have to answer that. It's not a question. I know you have. <laughs> it's wonderful. I appreciate no, you. There's well, some, I know. There's, there's some always a team. No, there's incredibly brilliant people that are not only on the Pacific Coast Quarter Horse Board, mm-hmm. but also for AQHA. We're so fortunate in California. Last year, our president 
of the entire American quarter horse for the world was from California, and that's Sandy Arledge, who is an amazing, you talk about amazing, you know, what she has given back to our industry and how she continues to participate and help and guide. We are very fortunate to have that kind of talent. That is so true. And I get such nice feedback on, well, all of you guys, really. But uh, my mom, you know, has been involved in the AQHA her whole life and shown quarter horses her whole life. And, um, well, there was a 30-year 30, 30 respite in there. I should should mention that. But she's back. She's back. And she's going strong. And uh, she couldn't Hopefully be prouder. Hopefully she's coming to Vegas. Hopefully she's coming to Vegas. She, she's trying to get a, a, another gal to go with her to do just that. She'll be in Paso, though, with you in just a, just a little bit. So, um, so well, you'll have you guys... to tell me when because I want to connect. Good. I'm going to put you two together. You guys will have so much fun. She's, she's just full of energy, just like you. Well, where can people um, learn a little bit more if this is new to them? And, um, and a lot of the Western world is to some of our listeners. So uh, we're, we're pretty global on this uh, list of our listeners. So tell us where to go. We have, a, we have a very active social media Facebook page, which is the Pacific Coast Quarter Horse Association or PCQHA. You can also go to our website, which is pcqha.com. Perfect. Perfect. And go there and, and, and we post. Do, and, yep. And, and we do have an office here in Paso Robles. And so if anyone wants to come by and speak to someone in person, that's always an option as well. That's great. And Paso Robles is, is such a fun place, such a growing place since I was a kid. And by the way, there happens to be a lot of good wine tasting out there. So if anybody needs an excuse... <laughs> Isn't that true? Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun to see all of this growing and blowing up. And I hope I get to meet your granddaughter Taylor, the future of of, of AQHA and PCQHA too. And um, and wish her luck for us. And I do wish you luck with all the things that you've got going on this summer. I appreciate you taking out a little time and giving us a little insight to your world, which is really fun. Hi, Carol Herter here, president of Cavallo, home of the world's most trusted and popular hoof boots. You know, one of the most interesting parts of what I do is the many horsey stories I get to hear. Most of them are really uplifting. Some are stories of challenges, and a few are downright sad. Recently, a wonderful woman took the time to approach us at a show to share a story about her horse who went down in quicksand. It started out as a really scary story. We were holding our breaths, waiting for the outcome, and it turned out wonderful. They winched the horse out relatively unscathed, albeit, you know, a little traumatized, and everyone standing around were super amazed that he still had his Cavallo hoof boots on. Scary story with a good ending. Another testament to Cavallo. If you don't have a pair for your horse, it's time. Cavallos are easy to put on, easy to take off when you want to take them off, and they stay on. They stay on in all terrain. Cavallo, the world's most trusted hoof boots. Jenna Asnault recently submitted her story to the American Endurance Ride Conference, and it was so compelling it got picked up for their national press release. The American Endurance Ride Conference, the AERC, was founded in 1972 as a national governing body for long-distance riding. And over the years, it's developed a set of rules and guidelines designed to provide a standardized format and strict veterinary controls. The AERC sanctions more than 700 rides each year throughout the North American continent, with distances ranging from 25 to 100 miles in one day. Well, welcome, Jenna Asnault, endurance writer extraordinaire. How are you? I'm good. Good, good. Well, thank you for taking our call and uh, agreeing to this interview. I'm just amazed by you, Jenna. Thanks. Yeah? You're going to have to speak way up because that means I'm amazed by you, Jenna. (laughs) And I am so proud of what you've done. I was reading something that the endurance, the American Endurance Ride Conference had put out a bit of a story about you, and then I noticed that you had actually written the story. How did that come about? Well, my writing instructor, Jaya Mae Gregory, asked me to write a story about my first 50-mile ride for her writing blog, and Mm -hmm. so, and then I sent it to her, and she read it, and she loved it, 
so she sent it to the editor of the Endurance News magazine. Wow. Were you nervous then or when she asked you to write the thing? Um, I, don't, I don't think I would say I was nervous. Okay. I, I did struggle to write it. And then I had this assignment in my English class to write an essay, a This I Believe essay. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty much what I published. I see. You're killing two birds with one stone. You're a smart girl. Yeah, Thank spoken you. like a true endurance girl, you know, preserving resources. Very good. <laughs> well, I, I love your story. So tell us, you're you're up in Northern Cal right now, right? You're up in the Chico yes. area? Yes. Yeah. And um, I'm reading your story, and you started off as a trail gal. So I think a lot of listeners will know what that means, that you just love horses. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so trail was just your first foray into a discipline. I'm putting air quotes around that sort of a discipline. I mean, you have to learn all about your horses and taking care, but, um, why did you get into trail riding instead of like showing right away? Well, I did two shows. I had a trainer, had a riding instructor that I did two shows with and, and they were all right, but honestly, she wasn't a very good trainer. Mm. So, and I didn't like the shows as much as I liked just trail riding with my neighbor. Mm-hmm. So I just decided to stick to the trails. And like okay. I wrote, like I wrote in my story, I tried a bunch of different things, but none of them really stuck. Like what other, other disciplines you mean? You tried some other saddles? Yeah, I tried barrel racing. Okay. And... That really didn't go very well. Uh-oh, what happened? So the horse I was riding was a boarder at the barn that my old trainer boarded her horses at. And so and she did barrel racing with her horse. And, just, and so she was like, okay, do you want to do this thing at Red Bluff? In Red Bluff, this SBR, Future Barrel Racers. And I was yeah. like, okay, why not? So we didn't really prepare for it. Uh-oh. Like I had never, I had never ridden her horse before, and so we got there, and I just did the pattern at a trot. But when I asked the horse to canter on the way on on the home stretch, mm-hmm. he started bucking. Oh. And and I came off. Oh no. So. That was kind of the end of that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Not a good experience. It, it, it's so important to have that first good experience in a new discipline, don't you think? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and landing on the dirt is usually not going to be a good component. No. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the fastest. You're going the fastest at that point in the whole experience too, right? Exactly. <laughs> oh, dear. So having... Picked yourself up and dusted yourself off after that. What'd you do? Um, just kind of went back to riding on the trails. I was still with that same trainer. And I did those two shows, and they were fine. I got a few ribbons. But, you know, this wasn't as exciting as I would have liked it to be. Mm-hmm. And being on the trails, it just felt more like a little adventure than just being in an arena with a bunch of people watching you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And so when did you realize that trail riding is like endurance riding, only endurance riding is just a lot longer? Um, well, my neighbor who owned the horses that I would ride and who actually gave me my first horse, she had been friends with Jaya for a long time and actually gave Jaya a Solly, Jaya's Tevis course. So I knew about Jaya and I knew that she did endurance. And so as I just kept riding on the trails, I just kept thinking to myself, man, it would be really nice if I could just ride all day long on the trail. Oh, and then, nice. I, and then yeah. I was thinking, well, isn't that what endurance riding is? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so when I started taking lessons from Jaya, 
that's pretty much what I was thinking. And so I thought, okay, I'll try this out. And I ended up really liking it. So was the first experience of this one better? Which one? The the endurance ride. The barrel racing was the first experience not so good. Was the first endurance ride you were in good? Yeah, it was good. It was Jaya's Christina Testerman ride. I did the limited distance. Today we're going to talk etiquette when you're on the and national. How far is that? What's limited? Time. How far is limited distance? Limited distance is 30 miles. 30 miles. So that, how did you come out? Did you did you finish? Yes, I finished actually in the top 10 and I was the first junior to finish. Woo! Did did you come in with your your trainer, with your coach? No, she was working. She was the ride manager, so she was really busy. She didn't ride that day, but she had a friend who was my sponsor and rode with me. Oh, that's fantastic. I have a bit of a surprise for you. JMA, or is it JMA? JMA. JMA, unusual name, beautiful, um, mm-hmm. wrote to me with a quote that she wanted me to read about you. Is that okay? She says, I have to say, I've always admired Jenna's ambition. She has a natural talent with horses, but is so humble about it and is always searching for ways to expand herself as an equestrian. She takes lessons, she reads books, and she works with her neighbor's horses, goes to classes and clinics and competitions with me, and never stops asking questions. Well done, Jenna. That's the perfect student. That's what every coach hopes for. Yeah, I'm really glad to have Jaya as my trainer. Well, we would love to have her on sometime, too. I bet she has um, a lot of great horses around her, and I bet she's a lot of fun to be with. She is. Yeah, well, that's great. That's great. Well, thank you for coming on today and sharing so much about your story and and kind of being an inspiration to a lot of girls who might be just trail riding right now and wondering what the next level is. It may not be endurance riding, but I think what you showed us is an example of trying different things and and always wanting to have horses around you no matter what discipline. Yeah, that's what it's all about, just being around horses. That's great. Well, you must take good care of your horses because endurance tests that. Yeah. So tell us about your horse that you're using right now. So she's my neighbor's horse. She is a very small little chestnut Arabian mare and she's a little crazy (laughs) she she's great she's really fun to ride but she spooks at pretty much everything pretty much everything huh okay (laughs) is that the crazy part pretty much (laughs) and and, uh, where did you get her She's your neighbors, well, but I mean, how did that happen that you get to ride? So, um, that part's kind of a long story. Oh, is it? <laughs> okay. So I've lived next to my neighbor and she has all her animals. I've lived next to her for pretty much my whole life. And starting, I, I'd like to say when I was about eight, I started just wanting to ride and so she would let me ride, and I would just do some chores for her in exchange for that. Nice. And so, and she had this little Arabian gelding that she gave to me, and I would always ride him, and I had a great time with him. But when he passed away last year, mm. it, everyone was just thinking, okay, now we need another horse. Mm. So that I would have a horse to ride. And so my neighbor could use another horse for lessons. Mm -hmm. So her friend, her friend um, had this mare whose name is Sarabi. And so we ended up with her and I started riding her. And yeah, I've been riding her for almost a year now. Oh, great. That's great. That's a great partnership then. So you've known her for a while. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, the, the American Endurance Ride Conference must be very proud of you. Thank you. 
Yeah. And I hope you stay with it, stay at it and, uh, and take this whole uh, discipline with you into your life to use with all the talents and abilities that you're gathering and uh, inspire other children and adults too, to keep at it. Yeah, I hope I do. Good. You will, if you hope you do. Good job, Jenna. Thanks for joining us today on Horsemanship Radio. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than mine. The magic in the language of the herd. Dear Monty, When you start joining up with the horse, won't they think they've done something wrong? What does the horse think at that moment? Monty's answer. If you're referring to the point when you send the horse away, remember that it is the horse's language that you are working in. When this gesture is thought to be offensive by a human being, it's because the human is attempting to translate it into our language. I have borrowed this gesture from the world of the wild horses, just as I have the whole lexicon of the language equus. Horses are perfectly comfortable speaking the language that they have known for over 40 million years. Watch the horse at the end of join up and you will realize that nothing negative has resulted from you sending the horse away. It is virtually impossible to draw a horse back to you until that horse is away from you. What I am attempting to do is to set up an environment whereby the horse exercises freedom of choice. Don't try to speak two languages at once. Learn the language equus. The student horse person is best served by working with a great number of gentle horses. The novice can, in fact, get into a lot of trouble with the raw, untrained juvenile. If a student makes a series of mistakes, it can take long periods of time to regain the trust of the untrained horse. Many scientists have written about the behavior of flight animals and how they respond to the actions of other species. The flight animal is quite accustomed to fleeing to avoid what it perceives as danger. In the wild horse herd, it is commonplace for adolescents to be sent out of the family group for periods of time as discipline for unacceptable behavior. It is a part of their culture and they understand it quite well. Anyone who chooses to study my concepts closely will realize that I wait until the horse chooses to make a move to leave me. In the absence of this flight response, I suggest adding to the gestures of flee gradually until the desired response is achieved. It is at that time that I respond by overtly sending the horse away. I try not to be terribly aggressive in this action. I make a concerted effort to match my movements to the sensitivities of the horse with which I am working. Once the animal has reached his flight distance, the tendency for him is to communicate with me a desire to return. It is at that point in time that I observe the four gestures that I have written about so often. Once I have received him, I assume a passive position, thus inviting the horse to return to me. If he does, it is my responsibility to congratulate him with a good rub and gestures of welcome and understanding. Short of achieving that response, I work in arcs or semicircles in front of the horse, and if I get my language right, join up will happen. With these procedures accomplished, One can begin a relationship with the horse whereby he understands that coming closer to the human is a good thing, while distancing himself from the human is less than a good thing. It is also important to note that the negative consequences of doing the less than good thing are to return to work. Too many horsemen would strike the horse for going away, thus producing a relationship of anger and distrust. You may see some practitioners using whips to drive the horses away from them, then stopping the whipping, backing up, eyes on eyes, drawing the horse towards them. This procedure historically has been termed whip breaking and was used by the motion picture industry to achieve the stunts they termed in liberty. I am not a proponent of this type of training, and I do not believe in striking a horse to achieve any response. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, Go to www.montyroberts.com and click on the orange banner that says, Get Free Horse Tips. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it, too, on my Equus Online University. Western, English, 
the beginner or the advanced rider. It doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online too, on our forum, and there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, July 10 to 21. It's his Gentling Wild Horses course, and that's in Solvang, California, as on Flag is Up Farms. And then there's July 31 to August 4, and that's Monty's special training in California, again on Flag is Up Farms. And that's a big one. That's uh, We have two languages represented there, Portuguese for our Brazilian and Portuguese friends, and, and in English, um, which seems to represent all the rest of the countries of the world because many people show up there from all over the world. It's really interesting. And if you, if you loved hearing about the calendar and you want to see more or get more details, you can find that all on the website, that would be MontyRoberts.com. Or if you want to go old school and speak with a real honest-to-goodness educated human being, you can call Flag is Up Farms at 805-688-6288. And for details about today's show, go to HorsemanshipRadio.com, where you're going to have links, photos, and more information about today's guests. And this is my favorite part. We love your feedback. It helps us make the show better. So hop on to Facebook and Type in there, Monty Roberts, and join the fun and become a follower of Monty Roberts. And we'd love to hear your feedback right there. Or if you'd like to live your life 150 characters or less at a time, you can follow Monty on Twitter. His handle is Monty underscore Roberts. Fancy that. And don't miss any episodes of Horsemanship Radio or any other show on the Horse Radio Network. Go and download the Horse Radio Network app for your iPhone or Android. It's free and easy to use. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. And many thanks, too, to our sponsors, Omega Fields and Cavallo Horse and Rider, who have just joined us, and Monty's Equus Online University. And be sure to visit all the other great shows, too, on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours. <laughs> 